Testing, testing. Still way too loud. Can you get Jamie? Can you please come get Ellie? Okay, let's try this again. You're listening to The Neurodivergent Nurse, and I'm your host, Jamie. I'm a registered nurse who has ADHD. On this podcast, we will talk all things ADHD. I'm really just beginning to learn about this diagnosis and how to navigate through it, but I am so excited to take you on this messy and raw journey with me so that we can learn together. So let's get started. This week's episode is going to go back to kind of the roots of who I am and the things that I loved even before I knew that I had ADHD. We had a Nurses PodCon in Nashville, Tennessee in November of 2021, and it was such a great time. And I just want to share with you the episode that I did live. That means the sound quality is completely different because they didn't have my mic wired appropriately. So it's kind of like via Zoom. I don't know. It's weird. But I hope that you enjoy listening. And if you are a nurse, a nursing student, whatever, that you have some insight into the world and pick up on some of the tips and tricks for travel nursing. Because thanks to COVID, travel nursing is a pretty hot money-making job, even more so than when I was a travel nurse. But you don't want to get stuck, caught, not making as much money as you possibly can. And this, this episode is going to help you reap the rewards of traveling and optimize the money that you can be making. Side note, Go to nursespodcon.com this week because it's the very last week that you can vote and decide where I am going in September to record another one of these fun and amazing episodes about ADHD and being a nurse. It's not going to be about travel nursing this time. Hello, everybody. We're back after my uh, glove debacle. That was really, really interesting. But we've regrouped and now we're on for another podcast. And I'm excited about this one. We are going to be listening to the lovely Jamie. She has a podcast called The Neurodivergent Nurse, which it was a really, really cool podcast for me to listen to because everything she talked about was me. I'm like... <laughs> I do that, I do that, and I do that too. It, her, her podcast is heavily based about having ADHD and being a nurse possibly that has ADHD. Uh, I myself could relate to it. I actually did have the diagnosis of um, ADHD um, and was on medications for a few years. I actually wouldn't mind joining your podcast one day to talk about, we'll do it. Talk about that. Yeah, but a lot of stressors on patients and, and trying to keep up with ADHD medication and stuff like that. So I'm no longer on that, but that's not to mean that I don't need it. Anyways, we're going to move on from that and we're going to uh, let Jamie take it away. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for that great intro. As you said, my name is Jamie and I am the host of the Neurodivergent Nurse podcast. This podcast, I started it in February of this year. So it's still a very baby podcast. But I was diagnosed in December of last year with ADHD, and I just dove into the information because as I'm sure you know, if you have ADHD and you're listening or watching this, anything that is new to us that we're interested in, we just have to know everything there is about it. And I was learning all of these tips and tricks and how to manage things better with my diagnosis, and I thought, 
why don't I share with other people who don't have to do all of the homework because I personally love research. And that's really where the inception of this podcast came from. Before I really get started into it, I just want to give a big thank you for everyone who made this possible. It has been a phenomenal day. I've had such a great opportunity putting faces in person next to people that I've seen behind the screen or that I've listened to in my car on my way to work. So it's, it's been such a wonderful thing. Some of the sponsors that did make this happen for all of us, for you guys as well, is CBD Stat, Samuel Merritt University, Stoggles, Trusted, and Echo, who also sent a phenomenal stethoscope along with Stoggles, who sent us great PPE, as you probably saw earlier when Nurse Jessica was showing them off and how cool they really are. All right. So as I told you, I am a registered nurse. I've been a registered nurse for about 10 plus years. And my primary focus was neuro ICU. Nursing school was really hard for me. I did traveling for several years as well. And that's kind of what I'm gonna to talk to you a little bit about today. Not so much of me, but if you have ADHD or some type of neurodivergence, then I hope this is gonna help you out, finding something that really gets those dopamines firing for you. I was surprised recently when I was talking to someone in my hospital about this podcast and about this podcon. And this person who is very high up in our hospital, who is also a registered nurse, asked me what neurodivergent meant. And I started thinking, I don't know that I really knew that term either. But just in case you don't know, neurodivergent is a term for when someone's brain processes or learns or even makes them behave differently than what is considered typical. It applies to conditions that you've probably heard of other than ADHD, like autism, dyslexia, obsessive compulsive disorder. And as science has started focusing on neurodiversity, neurodivergence. They show that people with ADHD are actually hardwired for novelty seeking. And that's a trait that until relatively recently, we didn't realize how distinct it was in as far as an advantage with our evolution. Because compared to people who are not neurodivergent, which we call neurotypicals, we have this sluggish and underfed brain that everyday life will feel routine and understimulated. And so when you learn about the fight or flight response, and while a lot of people back in the primitive days would run from terror, that we had the stimulation and our ancestors were the ones, the people who had brains like ours, were the ones who went toe to toe with the problems. We were the ones who were the hunters. We were the ones that we were good in the face of danger and adrenaline and things like that. Now, in order to compensate, because we're so often understimulated, we're drawn to new and exciting experiences, and we really get impatient and restless whenever we have this structure that really is our world today. In short, people with ADHD all of this means 
that those of us who have it have behavioral traits that they don't match the expectations of our culture today. Now, if you have not been diagnosed with ADHD, and this is the first time you're really listening to someone talk about it, chances are you probably see it very similar to teachers, parents, and even the world at large, which included me until I began learning about it. But they think that the people with ADHD, they just have a lack of focus and attention and they're very impulsive. But if you have it, the real problem is that to your brain, the world that you live in essentially just, it doesn't feel very interesting. And that makes us seek out things that are dangerous at times, like drugs, sex. You know, we need that adrenaline in our life. I didn't realize until this diagnosis that a way that many of us find that stimulation, something new to keep us engaged is traveling. And as I said, I did travel nursing for several years and I absolutely loved it. It was the greatest time of my life. I got to work at phenomenal places around the country. I got to dive into people's cultures, eat good food and learn so much about the brain in general as a neuro ICU nurse. So I thought today, that I would bring you tips and tricks. So if you are a student nurse and you think, hmm, travel nursing sounds interesting, that might be something I wanna do later. Take notes because I'm gonna give you good tips to maximize your income and to make things easy to navigate through the world of traveling. And if you're a nurse that's thinking about jumping ship because right now hospitals are paying good money because of this pandemic, and if it's something that you're considering, again, make sure you listen, take some notes, and you are more than welcome at the end of this. If there's some questions that you have or something that you didn't get to jot down, shoot me an email at theneurodivergentnurse at gmail.com, and I'll send over all of the links in the paperwork to you. Now let's talk about where do we start? You want to start by talking to travel companies and recruiters, right? There are certain questions that you're going to want to ask travel companies. Do you have a specific place in mind that you want to travel? Do you want to go to the Southeast? Do you want to be in Florida? Do you want to go out West to California? Or do you want to be in the Northeast when it's really cold in the winter? A lot of companies will tell you that they have contracts all over but it's really important to find where they primarily have contracts because there's been companies that I absolutely love to work with, but most of their contracts were in the Southeast. So when I wanted to go to MassGen over in Boston, I had to go through a different company in order to get that. So be sure if you have a specific place in mind and that is where you are deciding or how you're deciding where you wanna to travel to, know who those companies are that have those contracts. Another good question that you're gonna to wanna to ask companies when you start talking to them and kind of shopping around is when do your benefits start? For some people, it's important to have benefits on day one and there are companies that offer that. Other people, when I was traveling, young, healthy, I was okay if it was a, didn't start until the following month. Another great question that you need to ask whenever you're talking to travel companies is if your contract is canceled, do you require the hospital to reimburse or to pay the traveler? Because companies, I mean, I'm sorry, hospitals, they definitely can cut you for no reason. I mean, oftentimes they look for a reason if they aren't going to keep you on. But if you're all the way out in Arizona and your home is in North Carolina 
and they end your contract early and you don't have another job lined up, that's a lot of money that you're going to be missing out on. So there are some travel companies that hold hospitals responsible for how they treat their travelers. Another question that might be important to you is, will your recruiter or the company be available if you have questions or issues while on assignment? Does the company have clinical liaisons and other support staff who are available around the clock for you? Do they have licensing and housing specialists that can help you get ready for work in another state? These are all important questions to ask because some of the smaller companies, it may be difficult to get in touch with your recruiter or your recruiter may not know anything about the world of nursing as far as technical skills or as the importance of continuing education. And it's important that they do have access to people who can answer questions because things are gonna come up whenever you're traveling on a contract. I'm gonna also talk to you about some of the, the things that stood out to me when I initially started going through different companies and researching what they stood for, how they operated. We already talked about the benefits. So make sure you question when your coverage begins. The other one is housing. You get meals and incidentals and that is in a stipend. And so that's where a lot of your money making comes in. Now, you may not feel like looking for housing is very difficult. There is still a pandemic going on. And if you are going to rely on the travel company to find housing for you and to secure it, then are they gonna give you any money that's left over? Some companies offer that, others don't. Also, is it important for you to have a personal relationship with your recruiter? For a lot of people, they do. They want someone to check in on them. They want, whenever they are so low in a place that's unknown, they want to know that there's someone who cares how they're doing, that they want to make sure that there haven't been any hiccups on a personal level. If that's important to you, then make sure you find that because there are definitely companies and recruiters out there that are like that. I've also worked with multiple companies, one in particular, that I always tell nurses, go with them. If they have contracts that you want, it is great. This particular company that I'm talking about, I worked so many contracts with them and I love my recruiter, but there was a problem that came up at one point in time on my travel contract. And this guy went to bat for me and he helped get everything smoothed out. Never batted an eye, so reliable. And I truly felt like I had a friend in him. And while other companies, they just kind of toss you to the side if it requires too much work, he was definitely the person that I needed at that time. And also, when I was at Yale several years back on the other side of the spectrum, I was working with a company that I, when I talk personally to people who want to travel, I tell them to try to steer far away from this one um, monopoly of a, of a company. But I came out of work and it was my first or second week. I had to pay $350 for parking for the entire contract. And I drove at that time a BMW Z4. And as I was walking to my car, I thought, why is there a flag in my car? And the closer I got, I realized it was actually the soft top to the roof of my car that had been slashed. And someone, slashed up the top, they ripped off my license plate. And when I talked to the recruiter at that time and I'm calling, I'm in a panic, the recruiter's answer was, 
Well, the liaison that is actually at Yale, she's parked in that lot for six years and it's never happened to her. So I not only paid $350 for that one lot up front that I didn't get my money back for, but then I also had to fork out of almost another $500 during that contract because I refused to park anywhere that didn't have cameras. That's the difference between the types of recruiters that you can get depending on the company. Another thing that you wanna keep in mind when you start talking to these people that for me, I had this thirst for knowledge. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to know everything there was to learn about the brain. When I initially went into neuro ICU, it was a top 50 hospital in the country, phenomenal place, but I felt like I had hit the ceiling. So I wanted to learn more and that was what drove me. So every year I would send my recruiter to the top 50 hospitals in the country. And then they would send me prospects and packages whenever time came. Now, if you want to travel based on a place, if you want to spend time at the beach or in the mountains or things like that, make sure you know that whenever you start talking to these people. All right. Another thing that when you start talking about potentially taking contracts with these companies, you want to find out how much do they normally pay for mileage? Things have changed with getting reimbursed for mileage when it comes to the IRS and taxes. When I first started traveling, your company would pay for, let's say $350 was the max that they could pay you for mileage. Well, then I used to be able to take that off of my taxes and get reimbursed the additional miles past that. That's no longer a thing. So make sure that that's a question, how much do they pay you for relocation? Then you also want to find out how much are they going to reimburse you for certifications? ACLS, BLS, PALS, all of those come out of your pocketbook whenever you're a travel nurse. So you wanna make sure that they're not just gonna give you say, oh, $250 for any certification you need. Well, if you take ACLS and BLS and PALS all in the same year, or around the same time and just knock it out, $250 may not be enough. So make sure that you know that so that you can negotiate that on your, your contracts as well. The other thing that you need to do is you need to learn how pay packages work. Because my best friend has a son who just started traveling and he would send me contracts with the pay packages to explain what everything really meant. So you wanna know somebody who can break it down for you because they may say, oh yeah, you'll get paid $36 an hour. Well, that may also include your meals and incidentals. All right, now, once you get your interview, you decide that you want a travel company. And also, let me add this. When you decide that you're gonna do it, you're gonna pull the trigger, you're gonna start traveling, if you want to maximize your income, one trick that is so important that I never hear people talk about is make sure you work with more than one company, which can be very annoying having to fill out all of that information multiple times, get referrals. But think about it. If you have two companies who know that you're working with someone else and you say, hey, uh, company number one told me that there's a contract available at the such and such hospital in Miami. I really want it. Well, typically you're not going to be able to negotiate a higher pay or your stipend to be higher because that's money out of their pocket. But if they know that another company that you are working with also has that contract that they can offer it, they're going to offer you more money. 
because they would rather lose a little bit of cash than not get paid at all from your work. All right, so they submit you and you get a phone call and the manager or whomever, they wanna interview you. Well, there's some questions that you actually need to ask whenever you are being interviewed as well. All right, the first question that I always ask, and I have this um, sheet here, that again, if you are interested in traveling and you would like a copy of this sheet that I would always write all over whenever I was being interviewed and whenever I asked the hospital's questions, let me know, I'll be happy to send it to you, neurodivergentnurse at gmail.com. All right, what test will you be required to take? If you have ADHD, I'm willing to bet you are probably not the best test taker. Now, there's a lot of people who are good with it. I don't know how with ADHD, but it's not a one size fits all. But I always get severe test anxiety. I have no idea how I passed nursing school with the anxiety that I have. When I took my contract at Duke, I was not good at EKGs. I was good enough, but I wasn't great. We only had three attempts that they offered before your contract was canceled to take this test. At Yale, when I worked there, they would give you a test called the BCAT, which is the Basic Knowledge Assessment Tool. You only got two shots at that one or else your contract is canceled. So you have a deposit that you put down on a place that you're gonna stay, you've traveled all of these miles, you don't pass the test, you don't get to keep your contract before you even started. And also dosage and calculations is another test that a lot of hospitals would make you pass in order to have that contract once you were there. So make sure that you ask the manager or whomever you talk to what those tests will be. How many attempts do you get to have? And if those exams are failed, is the traveler sent home or does the hospital remediate you and allow you to retest? Another good question to ask is, do they use travelers often? If they do, chances are they know how to treat their travelers. If they're not used to travelers, it could be a difficult thing for both of you. Another question, do they have travelers extend often? This is a gold question because if the answer is yes, then that means that they treat the people who come to help them out really, really well um, because people aren't going to stay where they're mistreated. You can't be in a miserable environment and do well as a nurse. And another one that's good to ask is how many travelers do they have there now? I always feel like when I did travel nursing that it was like a secret club. Some of the travelers that I met on contracts, they were actually in my wedding party because we just became the closest of friends because they understand what you're going through and your personalities are so similar. Another one that people want to know is floating required. I have heard people got put in their contract that they would not float. I haven't heard this often, um, but people have said that. Now, if they tell you, yes, you have to float, then you're going to want to ask to what units? This is very, very important because I have known people who they signed and they took contracts. And when they did that, as an ICU nurse, they had to work on the med search floor. I don't know what area you work in, but I can't do med search. Hats off to all med search nurses. You people rock. But uh, it would be dangerous for me to take care of med search patients, especially if it was on a regular basis. 
So ask that question. And if they say, yes, you do have to float, then are travelers the first to float? Or are they put in rotation with their permanent staff? Next, you wanna ask, what is the nurse to patient ratio on the unit? You would be surprised because I had a contract one time that they would allow their ICU nurse to have three patients, which blows my mind. When you have brain drains, when you have EVDs coming out of patients that you have to check the ICP every hour, or you have to do neuro exams every hour on three different patients on top of meds, beds, baths, it is exhausting and it's not safe. So you wanna make sure, as we heard earlier, many ways to keep your nursing license safe. One is to not practice while it's in your scope, but not to practice dangerously or recklessly because they just need extra hands. Protect you, you're important too. And what types of patients does the unit typically admit? It'll give you a good idea if it's something that you're comfortable with or if it's not something that you know much about, but you do wanna learn more about it. Is this a good contract for you? What charting system do they use? Hospitals is not a one-size-fits-all. Not everybody uses Epic. Not everybody uses Meditech from 1905. Uh, and then if it's one, a system that you don't know, be sure to ask them, do they educate you? How long is the education um, on your orientation for the computer system? What color scrubs do the nurses wear? How many beds are in the unit? How often are travelers put on call? Is overtime available? What is the orientation process? And how long is orientation? Be sure that you specifically ask about hospital orientation as well as the unit orientation. Is it just one shift and then you're on your own? Or do you get a whole week of orientation on your unit on top of your hospital orientation? You also wanna know what shift and I, thankfully was protected. I don't enjoy rotating shifts at all. I used to be a night shift person whenever I traveled by nature, that was my favorite. And when I was at Duke, they tried to get me to rotate shifts, but it was in my contract that I was only working night shift. So I didn't have to do that. It's so hard on your body. A lot of people want to know what the scheduling process is as well. All right, so those are some questions for you to ask. Now, the hospital and the recruiters and the company, they may not have this open communication about these questions. So let's say that you said, hey, do I have to float? And I say, no, you don't. Well, you can make sure you get that put in your contract because they will pull up and they will submit a contract that has that in there. You may want to know for sure, do you have guaranteed hours for this contract? Are you gonna get paid 36 hours, even if they put you on call? Or can they call you off five times in a work period in a month? And then you lose a lot of money that way. And if they say, yeah, you have guaranteed hours here, put that in your contract. So that way, no matter what they do, you're still gonna make your money. Okay, now I'm gonna tell you a couple things to take with you to be sure that you have on hand when you take your assignment. You're really excited, you don't know what to expect, and you go on the floor. They start telling you all of this information because what you're used to, while you may be a phenomenal nurse in your specialty, 
you are not a phenomenal nurse at this hospital. There's no way you're going to remember every code to every door. You're not going to know every system, even if you used Epic before, they still, they may pay more for their Epic. So there's more bells and whistles that you can use. So take a little notebook. Um, I normally have a notebook that is about this big that I can put in my pocket that I write everything down. There's a code to the storage unit, write that down. There's a code to the bathroom, write that down. I would not recommend you writing down your own password, but some places require characters. So write a hint down that's gonna make you remember what your password is to get into things. And like I said, with the charting notes, you can write down the shortcuts, even their requirements. Neuro ICU typically, you know, it's, it's pretty standard. You have a patient who's post TPA, you have to do uh, neuro checks every 15 minutes times four, then you have to do, but then they specifically may have, want you to do eyes and O's every hour, or they may want you to do eyes and O's every two hours. So you can make those little charts so that you're not over charting or you're not under charting, right? And then, um, you also want to make a folder on your computer, even a physical folder, because clearly I like notes, I like computers, I have to have everything everywhere, multiple copies of things. But as a traveler with different companies and stuff, they're going to want a copy of your stroke scale. They're going to want a copy of your ACLS, your BLS, your PALS, your nursing license, your vaccine records, things like that. Put it in a folder in your computer, have a physical folder so that it's easily accessible and you're not having to do last minute digging to try to find the requirements and that your contract gets delayed and that you get delayed making. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Those are all the tips that I have right now. If your brain decides that it needs that stimulation in the world of nursing to be a traveler, just know you can always reach out to me. You can hit me up on a message on Instagram. You can send me an email. I am on Instagram, the neurodivergent nurse as well, but I'm available for you too. And, you know, we all have to stick together. So I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And as always, I can't wait to talk to you again. Roll time.